0: One of the biggest problems we're facing as a nation right now is a lack of housing, which is leading to soaring rents. It's also resulting in a spike in the number of Australians who find themselves homeless. Today, the ABC's social affairs correspondent, Norman Hermont, on how we ended up here and what needs to be done to fix it. Norm, we know that housing is a massive challenge at the moment for so many people in this country and it's something that you've been covering a lot.
1: Well, what we've been doing, Sam, is talking to a lot of advocacy groups who deal with people seeking help for homelessness uh, in person Mm. and they all report the same thing across the country, that they have never really seen this much sustained demand for their services. There's a term in the sector called turnaways It's a term they don't like to mention because a turn away is someone who comes for emergency assistance. And because of capacity constraints, uh, they're turned away. They don't have any ability to help those people. Now, no frontline service wants to to do that. But some of them are having to uh, adopt that strategy because they're simply being overwhelmed by people who are coming in for assistance.
0: Gosh, yeah, really, really difficult. I think that's something that probably a lot of Australians don't understand is actually happening. It's not We can't see it, can we?
1: Well, what people often see is the very, very visible sign of homelessness, which is rough sleeping. Mm. So people notice an increase in rough sleeping and they think, oh, there's an increase of homelessness. But rough sleeping is really the very final sign that the system is totally overwhelmed Mm. because homelessness as advocates will tell you that the definition is really is somebody who just does not have a fixed address. Mm. So, so much of homelessness is people who are either living in very crowded circumstances, uh, they, we all know the term couch surfing, certainly for young Australians, they'll be familiar with that. Um, And really, as it was explained to me, Sam, is there's this phenomenon called the cascade effect that we're seeing now. And this is when People who were in middle-income housing because of cost of living and rent pressures, they start to look for more and more cheaper properties. And eventually, when you get to the bottom of that pyramid at the cheapest properties, the people who can only afford the cheapest properties, they're essentially squeezed out. Right. And that's that's what we're seeing now.
0: Tell me about Abby Manning. That's one of the people that you met.
1: So Abby Manning, we really focused on her because she's an example of someone who is really, really struggling to adequately provide for herself on Centrelink mm-hmm. benefits. So she spent much of 21 and 22 on the youth allowance.
0: I was starving myself. Like, I was, like, restricting the amount of food I was eating, not because, you know, I wanted to, or because it was literally because I didn't know what was left on the shelf.
1: The youth allowance, for people who don't know, is currently 250 260 a week. And during that period, she was trying to go to TAFE to study disability services. And she just found that youth allowance was not enough money for her to continue studying. Mm -hmm. What she told us was she kept having to borrow money from her friends. She lives in a share house with six people. Believe it or not, there's even a seventh person living in a van in the driveway. Oh, my gosh. And in this um, share house, she was having to consistently borrow money from her friends to make the rent. She got a job for five months working as an organiser for the Greens, actually, leading up to the last election, but then she lost that job. It was only temporary, and she's now unemployed.
0: It's really difficult, and it makes me feel like the government, you know, is kind of leaving us behind um, and doesn't care about our struggles.
1: So she's somebody who's barely hanging on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we, did, we have spoken to other people who weren't able to do that.
0: Yeah, right. So Abby's in a really difficult position, but she does... For now, at least, have a roof over her head. But then, as you say, there's people who are having to live on the streets. So let's look at Rhiannon's case. I just feel really hopeless. Like,
1: so Rhiannon's a pseudonym. Um, she was someone who was brought to our attention in Brisbane. Now Brisbane has a very obvious problem that, um, if you speak to people there. Uh, it's very easily to see in the city's West End and on the outskirts of the CBD, there are visible signs of homelessness, people sl- starting to sleep in tents. Rhiannon's an interesting example because she has gone through virtually every part of the homelessness journey. So due to a family situation, she left home. Um, she first went to a share house. That didn't work out. Um, she's been in emergency crisis accommodation amongst the worst experiences for her was when she wound up having an extended stay in a hostel Mm. and and eventually for several nights she really had no option but to to we call it rough sleeping I'm not even going to say rough sleeping because she did not go to sleep all night she was as in her words she was terrified Uh. she wound up sitting on a street in the west end of, of Brisbane for the a couple of nights uh just waiting for you the know, morning to it, come
0: it's it's terrifying you the reason why i didn't sleep was because i i didn't want to be attacked i didn't want to be like assaulted or anything like that it's um you're very vulnerable you feel very scared and
1: Luckily for her, she wound up getting into a share house. She couldn't pay the rent there either, but she luckily for her, she has a very kind landlord who is covering her rent for now, but it's a temporary situation and she fears she could be out on the streets soon again.
0: Gosh, it's just so hard. And she's so young. And as you say, it's not safe for her to stay in some of these places. So let's, Norm, have a look at how many Australians are in a similar position to Rhiannon now. That is, in recent times, they've basically become homeless.
1: It's it's a difficult one because I've talked about this anecdotal evidence that we're hearing from homelessness services across the country. Now, last month, the ABS put out some statistics that showed homelessness had increased about 5% since the last census, so from 2016 to 2021. Mm. But those statistics were taken on census night in August 2021. So they really almost predate this cost of living and particularly this rental crisis that we're going through. Mm. So almost every advocate that you'll speak to will tell you that they think that those numbers are a severe underestimation of how much this problem has increased. So, for example, if you want to picture this again, we were we were focusing in Brisbane, Brisbane Youth Services since 2020 to last fiscal year, end of 2022, their urgent services are up 88 percent over three years ago. So they've almost doubled in terms of the people they are seeing coming to them for emergency assistance, either for housing Mm -hmm. or for emergency financial assistance to try and stay in a place and keep a roof over their heads.
0: Mm, Okay, so we better have a look at how we actually got here. You mentioned before this cascading effect. So the bottom of the rental market, they've been pushed completely out of the rental market into homelessness. How does that work? How does the real estate market flow affect homelessness?
1: So if you talk to people who know a lot about this, for instance, we spoke to Michael Fotheringham at the Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute. They will tell you that a typical well-functioning rental market usually has a vacancy rate of between 2.5 and 3%. That that represents the churn of properties as people move out, new people move in, new properties come onto the market. Um, so so you know, we we're well below that rate. What we have seen over the last more than a year in Australia is a record low vacancy rate in terms of how long it's been low. It's been around 1%, Mm -hmm. sometimes dipping below 1% for almost, well, for more than a year now what we're seeing is is both very low vacancy rates and consistently low vacancy rates in a way we've not seen in the last 20 25 years um but also you know sharply increasing prices so the last couple of years we saw 15 percent and 10 percent increases we're going to see even more this year and that just means that there just isn't enough rental stock available which of course sends the price of rents up which only exacerbates this effect yeah. we're talking about where people push down in the market. They they step down in, in terms of properties they're looking for because they can't afford where they are now. And that means, of course, the people on the bottom just have nowhere to go.
0: So let's look, Norm, now at what the government is actually doing to solve this problem because it's rather large. It does have this $10 billion housing fund, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of people that think it's that good a idea or that it will be that effective.
1: Well, this plan you're referring to is called the Housing Australia okay. Future Fund. Labor in government will create a $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund yeah. with the annual investment return to build social and affordable housing and create thousands of jobs. Yeah. It's the- now a proposal in parliament they're they're trying to get it passed. They actually unveiled it in last year's budget. Mm-hmm. It calls for about 30,000 social and affordable homes to be built over five years. So that 30,000 number looks very impressive, but then when you see that it's over five years, that's part of the reason it's the, the, the government has been having trouble getting it through Parliament because mm. the, they need the support of the Greens, and the Greens are basically arguing that it's nowhere near ambitious enough. Mm-hmm. They're going to get $10 billion and gamble it on the stock market via the Future Fund and hope that some of the returns can be spent on housing. Except last year, the gamble would have lost $120 $120 million. You certainly wouldn't fund schools. Groups or like Homelessness like, Australia, they say there's a shortfall of around 400,000 mm. nice. affordable properties in Australia. Um, and uh, ACOS, the Australian Council of Social Service, uses the same sort of number. So if you look at what they would want compared to what the Housing Australia Future Fund will provide, it's about, you know, somewhere in the neighbourhood of one quarter. Mm of what we might actually need, even if they do get it passed, it's it's probably not going to be nearly enough to fix this problem.
0: Right. It doesn't seem like there's an easy solution to this, but what about the budget today? Can the government do any more in this budget to actually solve this problem with housing, this major problem we have in this country?
1: I, I would be surprised if we see anything on, in, on the scale of what they proposed last year, seeing as they haven't been able to pass that plan yet. So mm. one thing people will be looking for in the budget is rent assistance. That's a program that um, people who, if they qualify through their incomes, they can apply for rent assistance. There's some speculation rent assistance might be boosted, but uh, the numbers going around are not, again, not overly substantial. Something like maybe $100 a fortnight, which would be $50 a week which would be appreciated, but it's really not going to make uh, a huge dent for people.
0: Mm, and Norm, we don't really want to be a country where people like Abby and Rhiannon, and young people like that are living on the streets. There needs to be a fix.
1: The real problem with this in the long term from the advocacy groups I talked to, Sam, is um, there has to be some real cultural adjustments on what we do policy-wise as a society really yeah one of the things we stopped doing um 20 or 30 years ago is we just stopped building a lot of public housing it's really quite striking um if you visit someone like uh, abby manning and, and her house she's living there with six others in this house Very few of those young people foresee a future where they are owning their own unit or their own house. Mm. You know, we're we're developing a group in our society that doesn't believe they'll ever be able to own homes. Uh, And I think that really demands everyone ask a lot of questions from our government leaders about how they are going to fix that situation.
0: Norman Hamont is the ABC's social affairs correspondent. While there's barely anything to rent long term, there's a mass of Airbnb and holiday places available. We covered that on April the 18th. Have a listen to Can Australia Revive the Golden Era of Housing? That's in your feet. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Veronica Appap and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. Don't forget, we'll be bringing you a budget special, so look out for that in your feed later this evening. Thanks for listening.